0: Folks, welcome into Ontwaveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to talk all things Cubs and baseball, too. I mean, really, it's a Cubs podcast, but it's also a baseball podcast, because things that impact baseball at large will necessarily impact the Cubs. And also because I figure, uh, just as we are, if you are listening to, if you're, if you're taking time out of your day to be like, you know what I got to listen to? A hardcore cubs podcast you're probably super into baseball in general also so i think it's i think that's fair and safe to presume uh and so if that is true you've probably seen the big news uh in the baseball world today we're recording this on monday it broke overnight that the major league baseball players association is organizing an effort to Unionize the minor leagues and be their representative at the bargaining table going forward. Now that's a process that will play out over the next several months. Uh, There are indications from the players union and from some adjacent organizations that they must have a lot of confidence on their side that they will uh, get the players on board to go forward. And then really it's just an open question of how Major League Baseball and its owners respond both from a public relations perspective and in a procedural perspective. I mean, at some level, it will be taken out of their hands, but there will be efforts, I'm sure, to soften the impact, let's say, of uh, minor leaguers unionizing. So, you know, I have some additional thoughts on that, but I was curious, you know, when you guys saw the news uh, or if you had heard whispers about it uh, beforehand, you know, these union organization efforts are typically kept pretty close to the vest Uh, but I don't know that it's been a huge secret that there's been a desire for minor leaguers to unionize especially in recent years Um, and so I'm just curious your guys thoughts on where you know what this means where it's going um, and how it'll impact minor leaguers and big league teams going forward
1: yeah i mean I, I think your point that that they must feel pretty confident about it i think that's that's spot on i i hadn't heard that they were this close obvious i think it's been obvious since uh the advocates for minor leaguers kind of came about and have had this l- loud uh voice and have had a strong platform which is which was great uh the fact that they have suspended their operations i think they sent out a uh something today uh with regard to that that's that's just another sign that this is they must feel really confident and comfortable with where things are there I think you're right there's going to be pushback from MLB the owners this this won't be like this really smooth transition with no back and forth right it's going to take months and it it probably gets a little ugly at times uh, not to the point where, you know, I, I don't want to freak fans out. It, it probably won't impact fans in any way, right? Like, this isn't the type of thing that immediate, over the next few months, fan, like, out, outside of those that are really uh, strong, strongly in favor of minor leaguers uh, unionizing, I don't think uh, fans are going to be, like, distraught over the news cycle uh, or frustrated by it just because no games will be lost and things like that my one concern right now uh and i'm strongly for minor leaguers unionizing i am concerned that mlb's reaction will be to further reduce the minor leagues i think we like with a you know specifically with the cubs where we already see that impact uh they're, they're a deep system now we talk about this all the time uh it's going to be really hard for for teams to to deal with that. If, if you're taking away another level, whatever level it may be or or just further reducing the number of minor leaguers in each system, I think that oh man, that that's going to be interesting to see if that's one of the outcomes here because I don't think it would be good for the minor leagues and I don't think it'd be good for the game because there is a lot of talent there. and and I feel like we're you' you cut around the edges by losing short season ball. And it's not this insane impact. I think any further reduction of the minor leagues is when I start to wonder like that. That's you're really, you know, shedding some talent that the type of guys that take a long time to develop, the type of guys that those I mean, there's some of them are stars now, right? The guys that got barely any money as international free agents. And, and it just clicked at the age of 20 or whatever it was. Uh, I think we may miss some of those. Uh, who knows what happens with the draft. All these different things uh, could impact how the minors look and i i hope that's not the direction it goes obviously there'll be pushback from mlb but that was my first concern for the reduction of the minor leagues uh, but otherwise this is great news and i think this will like all the things we talk about housing money pay for minor leaguers the way they're treated the way the all all the different things uh that uh that that you see how frustrating it is to be a minor leaguer hopefully this this is the first step in really changing those things. Obviously the advocates, uh, that group helped with, uh, housing and, and this is just one, uh, this addition will be huge for them. I think.
2: Yeah. It'll be fascinating to watch, uh, commissioner Manfred, uh, how he responds and the heavy handed approach that major league baseball took the last round of, uh, collective bargaining does not really bode well to a smooth, uh, agreement here you have a faction of uh, labor hawks in the ownership ranks who are constantly whining about how hard it is to own a major league baseball team and all the expenses they have to carry and things like that so i'm sure they're going to love you know having to pay health you know health care and year-round uh benefits and you know you uni- uh you know union packages for Uh, You know, hundreds and hundreds, uh, I guess, into the thousands of uh, minor league players. Uh, I think credit to the advocates for minor leaguers, as you guys are saying. I think their tactics were uh, really strong in terms of, like, getting people's attention to this issue. And that is something that, you know, quite frankly, I think Tony Clark has had issues over the years of, like, communicating a coherent message and kind of organizing, you know, players um and kind of seeing the entire board and you know being a couple steps ahead and you know i think they would probably benefit from uh you know maybe some extra voices or or different voices uh within the ranks and It'll be interesting to hear some of the former players too, because the MLBPA has been kind of territorial and it reminds me of, you know, when people talk about trying to cancel student debt and you have people, well, I paid off my entire bills, you know, when college was, you know, a lot cheaper. And there's definitely going to be, you know, the old dudes on Twitter, you know, saying how they slept on the floor in the minors and look where I am now, like, deal with it. I mean, that's definitely a big part of baseball culture too. You still have a lot of. A lot of forces and people at cross purposes here. It'll be be fascinating to watch. Definitely a huge story for the next, you know, however years, maybe, however long it takes. I don't know.
0: Yeah, among my initial thoughts, uh, a couple of things that you guys said, uh, Sahadev, I too thought immediately about further reductions in the minor leagues as a response by ownership. And, And I think there is zero question that they will say that. Uh, that that will come out. That'll be one, among the first statements. Um, you know that they have already reduced in an effort to try to improve conditions for the the players that are existing. And uh, boy, we just wouldn't want to have to do that again. And and while there are arguments to be made there, I think it'll it's important to note that they don't have to. You know, <laughs> it's you just pay the minor league players. Like it's not. I I just I I will. I think a lot of us will be cautious not to adopt the language of you know uh that a that threats to reduce the minor league size and you weren't saying this threats to reduce the minor league size are necessarily valid i mean it will be the response but that's not necessarily valid um that was among the thoughts that i had um and also as you were touching on mooney i thought about how because it's the MLB Players Association who are essentially adopting the minor league players into, to be represented by them, uh, they're kind of sticking their necks out on this a little bit. And I think the timing was probably not a coincidence that they get the CBA done and then there is a willingness to make this push because, you know, definitionally, if you are bringing in the minor leaguers to, to, to represent them at the table you may at times have to give up a little something of yours in order to to help support the minor leaguers. And historically, uh, until recent years, that had not been the tenor of the big league players association. There had been a lot of trading of amateur uh, rights and value in order to secure big league value. I mean, whatever, that's their prerogative. Um, But now we, we saw it in the CBA negotiations, there was a staunch unwillingness by the players to trade away the rights of amateurs and uh, future players to, to secure present-day value, which I thought was laudable. And now we're seeing it even more directly that, they, you know, by by bringing them into the tent, essentially, um, that's going to have some frictional costs for them. So I, I respect that among the big league players. And ultimately, it, uh, you know, like Sahadev said, you know, it's, this, this will not be a rosy, uh, everybody, you know, wakes up and, the, and MLB voluntarily recognizes the union and it just just like, OK, cool, let's work together to to better the future of the sport, which, of course, should be the response. But we are so thoroughly burned from the last 18, really 24 months of no one, you know, an unwillingness for that to be the, the tenor of things like, OK, cool, let's come together and form a tr- true partnership to to better the future of the sport that anybody hoping for that is going to be sorely disappointed it'll be I'm expecting like a scorched earth statement to come any any moment from uh Major League Baseball and it's unfortunate but you think you're right Sahadev the immediate effect this was also probably a timing factor you know even if it got to the point where there was there were threats of of some kind of stoppage which by the way wouldn't be the big league players I don't think they're Doing that, but per, potentially, I suppose you could see minor leaguers that that have adopted into the union being like, okay, well, we're not coming, we're not coming to spring training, we're not. That, that's plausible, I suppose. Offseason instructs are coming, um, but I, I think you probably didn't want to disrupt the end of this current minor league season. So I think that's probably part of the timing. And um, for now, I don't anticipate a ton of noticeable negative impact for fans. Really, it's just going to be about those of us who think this is the right thing to do and then following along with what's happening
1: yeah i didn't even think about the the aspect that they could uh minor leaguers could say well we're not going to report to camp or whatever i i didn't I, I guess i didn't consider that and that would be an interesting scenario and just cub centric i wonder how you treat that is someone like brennan davis part of that group like does he need to be in the 40 man
0: no he's in the well he'll be added in November. At which point he's in the big league union.
1: Okay, that's a, okay. So it's separate. That's I, I was just thinking, like, how does it change the clocks of guys who may be on the verge of, of coming up to the big leagues? There's probably other guys, you know, someone like Pete Crow Armstrong, like you know, he has that that'll slow down his clock, right? Uh, just little little things that could impact the Cubs directly. Uh, it, You'd obviously prefer for that not to be the case, but we'll see how MLB reacts and, and what happens. Patrick, the, your comment about veterans or retired players, uh, the comments that they're going to make. I mean, we've already seen some of that stuff on Twitter in the past. When Whenever there's an outcry about the way minor leaguers are treated, and they're like, that's the reason I became a great, like that hard work I put in and those t- like sleeping on the floor and and those terrible conditions pushed me to to make it to the big leagues otherwise I would have never gotten it. And listen, I there is some tiny kernel of truth to like certain people, their experience believe they believe that because of those tough times, I was able to I, I know what it takes to work and I, I work harder now and I never want to get back to that situation. Like I, I think there's some truth to that in my own story, right? Personally, but that doesn't mean I'd wish that upon anyone. Like the struggles I went through to get to this point in my life, I don't want people, other people, to repeat those things. Which is, so it always boggles my mind. Like yeah, certain things, certain experiences pushed you, but now you'll have different experiences, and you you have to find the. W- to find different ways to push yourself, right? It's not like it, I I just think that that we're going to get those arguments that this makes you more well-rounded, this gives you that push, that desire. It's how you overcome these things that makes you great. Ah. I mean, there's other there's going to be plenty of challenges in the minor leagues that you know doesn't mean you shouldn't have healthcare or shouldn't have food, uh, you know, a quality place to live and all that stuff and just basic income. So they're coming. Those arguments are coming. There's going to be people that are angry. Uh, they, I was treated one way, and these people are going to be treated another way. I mean, that's just the reality of the world, like even baseball players in general. Like the the ones no, – there were no $300 million contracts 20 years ago. So, like, all of it changes. So, I mean, this is progress. If, it, if we were going backwards, that's one thing. But – there shouldn't like complaining about progress is always always frustrates me and but it's 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 inevitable
2: this is the awkward transition time because i've been trying to think a way to tie in what's happening in toronto this week oh god i, I, <laughs> I thought, you know yeah, like hey, we're thinking go, about go you know, minor ahead. leaguers yeah, and thinking. you know kind of working their whole lives towards uh you know getting a chance in the majors and The Cubs will have two pitchers uh, this week uh, in Toronto, Uh, Jeremiah Estrada and Brendan Little. They were spotted in the visiting clubhouse at uh, American Family Field in Milwaukee after yesterday's game. Uh, They were scheduled to travel with the team to Toronto uh, while... Justin Steele and Adrian Sampson are on the restricted list because they did not meet uh, Canada's COVID-19 vaccine requirements uh, for entry. Uh, the United States has a uh, similar policy as well. And uh, being in Milwaukee yesterday was uh, had some flashbacks to last year when the Cubs were uh, among the least vaccinated teams in the majors and it became... Uh, a point of contention within the club out within the clubhouse you know among the staff between the front office it was uh kind of a mess last year and you know as david ross said yesterday yesterday only two which seems like a marked improvement from uh last year uh Steele and thompson sorry samson uh gave these kind of personal decision type answers and that everyone uh was fine on that they weren't feeling pressured and you know they were waiting on some research or talked to friends and family things like that so uh if the cubs had to have gone to Toronto say last June I think it would have been like a royals type situation uh they had 10 guys go on the restricted list if it was a similar I guess state of play, as you would say, and look at this point. Uh, I know Brett, you feel this way. Side of, I'm sure, the same way. I'm just kind of tired of talking about this. No one listening to this is gonna be like, "Oh wow, I hadn't thought of that before." Like, but it's a major story. We're not lingering on this. Uh, I know some commenters on the Athletic were wondering why we're even mentioning this when, uh, you know arguably the Cubs' best pitcher is not traveling with the team for several days. I mean, that's kind of noteworthy. And look, I mean, Samson has obviously worked his ass off to get to this point and has done a really nice job this year. Um, I think, to me, the surprising part, I guess, is someone who has been DFA'd twice this year and signed minor league contracts with the Cubs twice this year. Why someone like him who's kind of on the on the bubble would put himself in this position but um look it's his decision to make he's um you know uh will is expected to i guess meet up with the team at wrigley on thursday i think they'd be flying to st louis then and so uh i should probably stop talking now before i say something uh really out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so i look I, I i appreciate you handling that transition because boy as when when there was the the silence hanging on Sahadi's last comment i'm like oh shit is this the is this the time we got to swing into toronto so thanks for jumping on that uh grenade mooney I, I i would just say i think it is fair at this point as you said for not just those of us who are in the media, but also like in the world. I think it's pretty fair to be tired of talking about this stuff. I think that's just, that's the reality. We've been dealing with it for three years. And I think we've had to be so delicate about a lot of it for so long that it's like, I'm I'm tired of that too. I think I just want to be able to, when something like this happens, I want to be able to have two thoughts about it and then leave it, which is one I think at this point it's uh, it, it it strikes me as maybe a bit much that the United States and Canada both have this requirement still in place at this point. It's like, I think maybe that could be revisited. However, it is in place. And so it is strange to me uh, that there are still folks who are directly impacted by a rule like this and who are choosing not to be with their teammates. And that's that's a comment that's... You know, in fairness, you know, when it was Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, I said it then, and it would be uh, intellectually inconsistent if I didn't say it about Cubs players. It just does not make sense to me. Don't get it. Uh, But that is the reality of the situation. And that's as much as I can say. You know, when I was writing about this is news you know they're not going to be with the team and there are two pitchers joining the team so it's like wait where did these guys come from you can't not mention why these guys are here it's news but i think we are past the point of moralizing and editorializing because as mooney said there's nobody listening now there's nobody reading our stuff that's like oh really i hadn't considered these complex uh you know scientific and ethical considerations we get it we all have made our decision long ago. And so I'm just like, I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not, um, diminishing the seriousness of the disease and those who do still suffer from it. And those who just do still get infected, all of those things are serious and real. And I you know hope that people do take necessary precautions. Uh, but we have lived in this world for a very long time now. This is the reality. Let's just live in the reality. Okay. That's where I am. Do you, do you really want to say something, so if I saw you. What do you got on you Jeremiah hesitate. Estrada? Like, you don't really want to say something, do you? Yeah, I that's mean, what I was I, gonna say. Like, yeah, let's talk yeah. about the can, can, I think up. you
1: both said a lot of what I was thinking. we don't need to dwell on it. Uh I, I think I pretty much agree with what you guys are saying. I honestly I think it's gonna be interesting to see those two pitchers, and especially Estrada. Like this is a guy that I think has a chance to be I think first of all, this Cubs bullpen is is not good right now. Uh, like the re- they they're losing games. They they're a better team. Well, can I yeah.
0: St- I'm just saying statistically because I looked into this because I you're right. They you know, they have lost some games on the back of the bullpen recently which was something that was foreign for like 2 months. Uh, but I was so I was curious. It's a little bit of looking bad by contrast. So uh, the last 2 weeks, which is when they have been quote bad, they're middle of the pack. It's been a middle-of-the-pack bullpen the last um, two weeks, which, by again, by contrast, because the, the two months before that, they were, like, the number three bullpen in baseball. And that that spanned the trade deadline. It wasn't just the trade deadline, you know, the, the guys who were dealt. So they were very, very good, and now they are – have been middle of –
1: Yeah, the pack. I I think part of it is – uh, I, yeah, I think some of it is just, like, context, right? And I'm just, like, taking certain tough losses and being, like, wow, this bullpen's rough – I, they they don't have a lot of guys that I think David Ross can trust right now is my biggest. When I look at that, it's like, well, who can he go to and say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy, this guy has the stuff to work against anybody in a lineup. I think the only guy he's at that point with is Hughes right he's i think he's gotten to that point there with Hughes where it's like yep and and we may see a lot of Hughes on this stretch in close games because David Ross still wants to win but i think he also understands that uh there are going to be times where we see guys like uh, just kind of thrown into the fire right and you're going to be like why is he pulling this guy why is he bringing this guy in it's what he's working with and he's trying to figure out what he has he's not like delusional trying to win the division right now he's he's he understands like he he still has that competitive nature and he wants to win and he believes it's important but he also understands what his goal is down the line and how important 2023 is and how important it is to figure out what he has right now this is the time to really figure things out so you don't have that april may uh Kind of uh, figuring it out phase that was just perennially the thing under Joe Madden, right? If there's one big difference when I see managerially with uh, between Madden and Ross, I feel like Ross is has a really good feel for his pitching staff and his relievers, especially, and I think he he understands that uh, like that's part of of what I think when when this is a winning team if if david ross is going to have like this managerial in-game strength it could be his bullpen usage I, i don't know if that's reality because we just haven't seen enough of it for me to feel really convicted about it but i'm starting to wonder because he seems to have a really good pulse on it uh so that was all to say that i think Estrada, if there's anybody in the system right now that's close uh outside of hughes and already up I think Estrada is the guy that we watch and say, is this the impact reliever that they're going to produce from their system? Right. Hughes looks like he's a high leverage guy can be an important part of the future. I, I need to, we need to see it. We need to see how he handles big moments. We need to see how he does against big league hitters, but he has the type of stuff, the two types of pitches that you want. The uh, velocity there. Nasty breaking ball is there. Uh, health is obviously a question with these guys. Just if he can stay on the field and, like i think the numbers speak for themselves in the minor leagues i think this is the guy you watch uh does he have a future in a major league bullpen can he be a high leverage guy is that is that one more piece that the cubs can uh point to and say okay we have some things figured out when it comes to developing pitching and then obviously next year they you you can't just make this whole homegrown bullpen the cubs are the cubs They, they do a tremendous job of getting uh uh, chain getting veterans in there and helping them out so if they're competing next year you'd, you'd hope that they get like these reclamation projects and, and can hit on uh, you know half of the ones that they accumulate over the winter uh, but Estrada is the guy I'll be watching over the coming days and maybe he's the guy that sticks as well at some point uh, when rosters expand
2: it was interesting yesterday after the cubs announced the steel and samson restricted list moves it was okay they get one pitcher to replace them because of the starting uh pitcher requirements the language of the rules and it's like unless something happens or goes sideways and lo and behold samson is pulled with a lead in the fourth inning um uh, dipping underneath that four-inning cap so that they would have another pitcher uh, for Toronto. So, you know, I think they're going to have to just, like, see what they got with some of these guys, especially some of these, you know, Rule 5 ad guys. Like, why not? I mean, it's pretty – I get your point, Brad, is like they're only middle of the pack now, but it's like that was the strength. The rotation is kind of paper thick. Thin, you never giving you a ton of length. You know, you gave Brendan Little, you know, over two million dollars as a first round pick a couple of years like years ago. Like if he's pitching well on roll, why not? I mean, see kind of what you have because I think what they have right now is not particularly compelling, and you know that is not uh, all that surprising. You know, I think the Michael Givens trade was one that you know was kind of looked at like that was kind of a salary dump. Like you could have, if you were more interested in kind of keeping up appearances or giving a little stability to your major league product, like he'd be the closer now. Then you could have used in the eighth inning and maybe not overwork guys as much the guys you trust. And that was an issue with Rick Renteria. Obviously like Joe Madden's, you know, a hall of famer or a legend, you know, maybe there was no way, there's probably no way to stop that train once he was able to leave Tampa Bay but you know people like to make these 2014 comparisons and one of the issues at that time was like how are you going to like manage you know Hector Rondon and like some of these other guys like don't burn them out um, in a meaningless you know August and September and I think uses the name that's the the guy that we're gonna have to watch to see like how they deploy him and like what makes sense for him because if he's like the only guy in the circle of trust like just not worth it to push a guy who was an outfielder a couple of years ago beyond his limits.
0: Yeah, that's a good point and that's also a fair point on Estrada if he were to come up um and be with the team the rest of the way because he is a guy who could establish himself very quickly as a reliable impact reliever but you know, he's up to 48 innings this year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a guy who's had major arm issues, uh, and has now risen four levels or will have pitched at four levels. Um, I think you do want to be a little careful that he doesn't push himself too hard. You know, you want to impress in the big leagues. I get it. So I think there's going to be some caution there. A couple of comments, you know, I, I certainly wasn't going to celebrate the Cubs having players not travel to Toronto because of the vaccine requirement. However, I was pretty stoked that it means that these two pitchers come up on kind of a freebie look-see because as you guys have alluded to, uh, among other things, these are both pitchers who are Rule 5 eligible after the season. I think Jeremiah Estrada had already cemented himself as a guy who was gonna be added to the 40-man in November to protect him. I don't think there was I think the upside is too significant, the stuff is too eye-popping, etc. He was gonna be added. And really it was just a question of is he gonna see any big league time. Brendan Little, by contrast, is is a closer question, I think. Um, he's really remade himself into an uh, extreme ground ball guy this year. The strikeouts are way down. Uh, walk His walk levels have always been kind of high. But he's getting, he's like at a 63% ground ball rate, which is, I mean, it's a bonkers level. So I, I, I'd be fascinated to see how he plays with a big league defense behind him. Uh, and I think that's probably... Part of the thinking in bringing him up for this look-see. He's also a lefty, um, and if you wanted to take some of the lo- the load off of Hughes, that that could be part of it at least for one series. So I hope we see these guys maybe multiple times if we're lucky in this series. And um, I'm just uh, yeah, I, I, we talk about the Cubs having this reliever factory um, in particular. Although the starting pitching is, is coming along, but it just seems like they have this endless supply of interesting young relievers, that they could trade a guy like Scott Efros for a starting pitching prospect because, oh, there's more coming. It's cool to see two of them. I'm just really looking forward to that. Also cool about these two coming up is a point that uh, Brian Smith, who writes some of our prospect stuff at Bleacher Nation, pointed this out. So this is pretty fascinating. The first seven picks, okay, the Cubs had two first-rounders back then. In uh, the 2017 draft, all big leaguers now, the first seven picks. I bet you can't say that about too many organizations that their first seven picks in any draft of the last five, six years are all in the big leagues. It's actually pretty incredible. So it's Brendan Little. He was their first pick. Uh, Alex Lang, who folks may recall was part of the trade for Nick Castellanos. He he became a pretty good reliever with the Tigers. Corey Abbott, Cubs fans know well. He's now with the Nationals. Keegan Thompson, of course. Eric Ullman, who's now in the bullpen with the Cubs. Nelson Velasquez, of course. Uh, and Estrada. Now in the bullpen so top seven all in the big leagues right now from that 2017 draft
1: Uh, i i don't want to take us too far off course but i think that i think we need to kind of looking back at history if we're going to pinpoint some of the things that went wrong here i think it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that player development was the major issue and that amateur scouting wasn't as rough as, as people made it out to be. And uh, people like Matt Dory and Jason McLeod deserve a little credit there, uh, while uh, obviously they didn't take the steps necessary uh, to really uh, get up to speed with where things are player development-wise, uh, and certainly deserve criticism there. But I think amateur scouting... We're, we're seeing a lot of these guys, a lot. I mean, it's not just that, that draft, right? I mean, a lot of these relievers that we talk about, a lot of these uh, pitchers, because they're being developed properly now or in this new way, uh, they, they're starting to pop. They're, we're starting to see that. I, I remember hearing one of the biggest criticisms with the team. I think they did like a, a study. Uh, they were like bottom three in like velocity or something. Was it velocity? It, it was something like that. Bottom three in velocity, uh when they did this study in like 2019 in in the minor leagues like just terrible they couldn't develop any velocity they had no idea how to do that it it, complete 180 in that department right so uh it, it is it is interesting to see that uh once thought of like something that wasn't as big of a deal player development is now like we're seeing just how important player development is and uh you know the, maybe they had that eye for talent and it was about having the right uh people in place to to kind of uh, extract and maximize that talent
2: yeah i mean this is probably a multi episode series uh if you want to get into kind of what went wrong and how to separate these things uh one thing that i thought of was kind of pointed out to me and that was a great uh, kind of nugget from from Brian is that we always talk about how great the Dodgers were are at drafting and developing and everything, but you know, one of their big moves was trading for you know Beckett, uh, Gonzalez, Crawford, and taking on those enormous contracts just to put a better product on the field and like buy themselves some time. And that was a decision that was made at the ownership level. It was a money decision. It was a big market team flexing their muscles, being, look, we know this isn't going to light up the Fangraph's value boards, but, like, we play at Dodger Stadium. You know, we can sell, like, what, 50,000 tickets a game. We have a monster TV market. Let's just do this. And by doing that, you help your player development your scouting department giving them like more runway to let things play out because obviously that draft was the Cubs were the defending champs and you know that draft you know didn't look great they I still think probably the upside on those players and the uh window for how long it took for those guys to get there I mean that is very much remains to be seen and, and I think it uh was on some level uh, a missed opportunity but like all these things work together that, you know, aside, and I've been talking about this a lot for like a project we've been working on that, you know, it's not, um, you know, the Cubs talked a lot about like parallel tracks, but those tracks just went really far apart. And they were, it shouldn't have been parallel tracks. It should have been, you know, kind of working in unison. And like every level of the organization, every side of the organization that, that it's becoming clear, they were, some issues there and they still won the world series. It was still like, you know, the greatest era maybe in franchise history, but that's just kind of how organizations work. Like they don't get, uh, everything right. Uh, no one's ever as like smart or as dumb as they maybe appear in the given moment. Like these jobs are hard. These decisions are sometimes basically, uh, coin flips and you just hope you're right more than wrong, uh, over the long haul.
0: Yeah. I think, um, we it 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 can it can be a little bit of like a selection bias you look back on a draft you know one draft like this and you're like oh my god look how they got all top seven picks in the big leagues and some of that is a, a, a hindsight credit to the scouting no doubt some of it's a current uh credit to the player development shifts no doubt but a big chunk of it is luck you know a big chunk of it is just, just fluky stuff that you can't control and so you just you have to have a system in place to give yourself as many shots as possible and um i think that uh all that said you yeah i i you do have to give credit in in hindsight to a, a group that on this scouting side we were maybe too hard on for a number of years when you know you look especially at this group and it's like you know interesting that Little and Estrada are just now popping and coming up. And Keegan Thompson, just now popping. Eric Ullman, just now popping. Nelson Velasquez, just popping in the last two years. It's like, wow, player development sure does seem to be pretty important. Hey, that seems like a good idea to make that shift. Uh, Again, not trying to do the selection bias thing, just looking at this draft and this roster now, but I think you could certainly form that argument if you wanted. And Little and Estrada coming up for the same series at the same time from the same draft is, is just a nice little capper on that. You know, I think it's just a nice way to underscore how successful the player development infrastructure has been the last few years. Now, both are relievers and both were drafted with the upside of starters. And there's a pretty huge difference in the value proposition, uh, when it's a reliever to a starter. And I think that speaks to, um, a point that Mooney, was, or it's adjacent at least to a point that Mooney was making, that there's still, you know, there's still a lot more to prove out in this process in the years ahead. And I think there is a wave of interesting starting pitching prospects coming. Uh, but to that, I would just point out that here we are in 2022 talking about a draft class from 2017 and about how it's emerging. That's the long tail of scouting and player development. We've talked about this before. Even if you start making every decision and every move correctly today, that shit ain't going to bear fruit for several years. That's just the reality. And so uh, the hope is we're seeing that fruit come, even from some scouting that came before the sort of new regime, but we still might not see it for several more years. And that is something that I think uh, you have to be a little careful about pro or con. You know if you if you evaluate and say everything is hunky-dory and player development is kicking ass now it's like well okay but it's still a couple years before we really are going to know that or alternatively it's like hey look at all this quality depth in the system like there's so many guys this was the joke in the last one so many guys having good nights on a given night it's like oh i forgot about that guy i forgot about that guy that, that has not happened in my cub prospect nerding career of I've been following the farm system for 20 years and there has not been a system a cub system like this with this much depth of legitimate prospects just hasn't happened um but I pumped the brakes because I'm like got to see some of them emerge as impactful big leaguers and that is just still going to take a lot of time uh that's just the unfortunate reality uh okay that's all I got you guys got any parting thoughts on this no big head shake no, no more. You don't want to do any more uh, border crossing talk. <laughs> no, thanks. C- Canada. Like, uh, no, you don't want to dig back into that. Okay. All right. This uh, is on to Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney catch theirs at the athletic. We will be back at you later this week after the series in Toronto, hopefully with some, uh, you know, cool stuff to say on Estrada and little and among other things. And we appreciate you listening as always. Hope you have a great week. Until then, talk to you later.